Welcome to day two of the Australian Open. Three, on- but technically two. But technically three. I don't know. Okay, fine. Welcome to day two slash three of No Challenges Remaining at the Australian Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined on day two slash three, which just means after midnight on Tuesday. Oh, I guess it's now Wednesday. By Courtney Nguyen, my dear friend, who's up very late. How you doing, Courtney? I'm good. It's been a long one. Definitely it has. Yeah. Definitely it has. It's been a day that started out relatively slow and upsets sort of piled up. Some unexpected uh, upsets happening on the big courts here in Melbourne. So let's get right to it. The first one that happened, Venus Williams, the number eight seed, who lost her first match in Auckland because after a great finish to last year, which included titles in Wuhan and Zhuhai, uh, lost to a player who she'd beaten in Wuhan, Johanna Kanta, uh, who had a great fall, but hadn't had a great start to this year. So oh, I think, two, yeah. I think you would flag it as being not as much of a, not necessarily a threat for Venus. And, uh, Kanta came out, played real well. Uh, Venus did not play great, but just, Lost decisively, six four six two. Yeah, no, I mean, great match from from Joe Conta, and uh, yeah, didn't I? I did not see that form from the Brit coming. Um, she came into the tournament zero and two in her first two tournaments. You know, against a player like Venus, who, to be fair, she came in zero and one. So both players were winless going into the Australian Open, uh, with Venus losing to Kasia Kina in Auckland. But um, but yeah, great match from Conta. Not a great match from Venus. She didn't no. necessarily need a great match, but it wasn't also a complete and utter disaster from Venus either. I think that she just flat out got outplayed by a player who, and we said this probably at the end of last year, is playing well above her ranking. Um, and you put those two losses aside early to start this season, maybe a little bit of a slow start. Um, you know, Conta's going to be dangerous. I probably underestimated her more than I should have. Maybe so did Venus. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a tough loss for the number eight seed. Tough start to the season. She still entered in the Taiwan Open, which is set to start right after the uh, the Aussie Open. So I don't know. Does, does Venus stay in? Does she go home and come back? Does she stay in Asia? She's you- been pretty good about not withdrawing from stuff this stage of her career, especially international tournaments where she's getting a check to show up, which clearly is why she's in Taiwan. She's not just really into Taiwanese food or something. You or- don't know. Taiwanese desserts are awesome. And she did sell- talk a lot in Singapore about loving the fruit. She oh, did, yeah. Okay. She was she was doing okay. a uh, some sort of fan sort of thing because she was obviously in Singapore as an alternate, mm-hmm. and uh, she did a fan thing with Nick McCarville, and she was saying she really loves the fruit in Asia. Well, good for you. So let, let's hear how her mood was um, after this loss to Kanta. We'll have some audio of her presser right here. Oh wait, no, we won't because Venus didn't come to press again uh, for the second time in four slams. Venus, we talked about this, what happened at the French Open. Uh, there was a thing where she loses round one, and you're waiting for her name to pop up on the screen to see when she's coming in, and it doesn't, and time passes, and time passes, and people come in for matches that started after hers, and you're like, you know what? I don't think we're seeing Venus. She took the fine again. Uh, last time it was somewhere in the $3,000, $5,000 range. I'd expect it to be more this time because she's now a recidivist uh, uh, skipper of press, which remember you said last time, Courtney, you were surprised more players don't do, yeah. but but it's nice that they don't do it. And it's very rare. That's the thing I should point out. I, mean, I have to say on Twitter about Venus Skip Press. I have not had any other player do this that I can remember, and she's done it three times that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it was interesting. I was talking to another journalist about Venus skipping, and the thought that just kind of came to mind is is that it, Venus is just doing everything on her terms. 
um, and that includes press res- responsibilities, media yeah. obligations, what tournament she wants to play. She opted out of, she finished obviously the year top 10 of the WTA, but she actually opted out of the top 10 commitment rules so that she has more uh, freedom with her schedule, obviously bypassing bonus pool money as a result. But, um, you know, she wants to do things on her terms and all fair, you know, so long as the check doesn't bounce uh, in terms of paying the fine, then yeah. you're all gravy. And I think it should be a steep fine at this point. I think, yeah, I think, I you think can, that's I probably think, fair. I, I think tennis players doing press is part of what they're paid for. It, it is, is part of their job. It is part of their job to, to go out there and talk about the match and, and promote and, the sport. And yeah. Yeah, and I will say this, and this came up uh, a little bit in, in our episode after the U.S. Open when Serena kind of gave a very short press conference after losing to Vinci, um, that, you know, when you don't show up to press, it, it's not just about, you know, journalists want to ask their questions and whatever and things like that. But, stories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Part of it is also that you, you get to control the narrative. You get to say what happened if she was ill, if she was not feeling well. She just flat out got outplayed and gives all the credit to Kanta. I mean, all of those sorts of things go towards, you know, the story. And, and that is what Venus has control over. Any player has control over what you say after press or to the reporters, um, helps to, in your, in your way, spin. And so when you remain silent, it leaves everyone kind of, you know, for all the cynicism with reporters, if you want to take the most cynical view, it lets reporters write whatever the hell they want because you never spun it. There's no quote that refutes what uh, a reporter's read is on on a on a situation or a match. So that's what disappoints me when Venus pulls out, you know, more, you know, doesn't do a press no. conferences or anyone else. You know, that's really or or even you know to go to players who are very reticent in press conferences who, you know, flat out lie like whatever. It's just like you know, if you would just tell your story. You would be able to. We would be able to get your story out there. Yeah. So that that's a bit of the frustration. But I understand if you know. I like I said. I'm, I'm always shocked that more players don't do this. I am too. It's her money. It will be less of her money soon. Uh, with this coming down, uh, maximum I think is twenty thousand dollars. We'll see how how. You big know, one question go. I had what? because fines go towards like. Um, Grandstand development pool. Right. So I'm wondering if fines are tax deductible and if they are tax deductible because <laughs> they end up going to a nonprofit or a charity organization. She's like profiting on this. Like, yeah, end. actually like taking a fine somehow lowers you in the tax bracket and you actually don't have to pay a ton of taxes on maybe your prize money here. I'm just saying. Phoenix would have an amazing accountant <laughs> if that was the case. I would be jealous of that. The next big result that came in was the next match up on Rod Laver Arena, which was Rafael Nadal. And a match that we talked about briefly on our preview show against Fernando Verdasco, more sort of a joke, because uh, our matches have been ridiculous in the past. And this one followed in that tradition of being a ridiculous match, but ridiculous in terms of unexpected quality from one side, which hadn't been the story before. I guess, obviously, Rafa had trounced Verdasco several times in the past, although Verdasco's getting headway in this rivalry recently. And Verdasco came back, uh, pushed it to a fifth set after being down two sets to one, and then was down 2-0 in the final set, and went on a tear of playing some of the best tennis, just power tennis, as he said it himself, you know, closing his eyes and the ball would land in. It was, it was pretty stunning. Rosoli, yeah. It was Rosolian. I mean, I, there were a lot of people who were saying it was the most powerful offensive display, you know, and probably sustained over a single set. That's probably yeah. right in the final set over the course. I mean, he definitely didn't start off well, I thought, Fernando Verdasco, but he slowly got into it and then just started to see the ball like a watermelon, and it, it worked out well. But it did it did remind me of the Rosol upset. And what it reminded me also of was several other Nadal matches that have Fanini. gone this way. Fanini. Dustin Brown, Dustin even Brown, you can go down yeah. to Nakirios Wimbledon a couple of years ago. Getting I mean, hit off the court. And that's happened to Nadal more and more and more in his career. It didn't used to happen. He didn't used to get blown off the court by guys until Sodling, I guess, if you yeah. want to say that. And it's really been something that I think is, on um, a lot of levels, has to be 
more about the mental side of this than anything physical has happened that's changed in his game or technology or anything. I mean, we'll hear from him a bit, and he says everyone's playing this way now. But really, I think it's a lot about his aura, I think, not being the same, because these were matches he used to escape back in the day. He had some you know, classic chokes given to him, I will say, by players like Robin Hassa and Philip Petchner stick out to me at Wimbledon. They both made five sets and were up two sets to one, I think, and just folded. Now the guys have the belief. Rafa doesn't have the same scare factor yeah. anymore. I mean, I think Rafa has the belief. I do I do wonder, I don't have a basis for this, but I'm just spitballing here, but I do wonder a little bit how if technology does actually play into it. I heard from a number of players this morning. I was actually on transport, and... Joe Wilfred Songa was sitting behind me, and he was, I think, talking to the Babalot rep. Okay. Um, and he and they were discussing a string change that that Songa had changed some strings. He's using um, a bit more natural gut in there, not just a, a, a synthetic. And you know, we talked, um, I think, a couple weeks ago uh, in Brisbane about Kerber also changing strings. Now, this the, the change in strings, both players have kind of said, and this is what Songa said is that more power. So I do wonder if there are players who are switching strings and are hitting with just a little bit more power, maybe not as much control, you know, obviously, but that they are going for more more power in their strings, and maybe that's that's creating a little bit more. I don't know. I think it's more about Rafa's balls landing shorter and being more attackable. I thought that you were just going to put a period after balls. No, no, I mean, maybe, but no, I, I think that is, well, if you want to go there, no, I, I, just, think, I think yeah. it is a confidence issue on some level for him, and he's... But he seemed to be confident in press. Yeah, I don't... His, his press that's conference why I don't. Was, it was a little incongruous in that sense that he didn't... After the Wimbledon loss to Dustin Brown, he seemed down. Yeah. He was real down. This one, uh, even though he just... In his previous match, remember, just his last match, he got trounced by Novak Djokovic and Doha. So this is two straight losses where he more or less got blown off the court. Uh, both by good players. I mean, Djokovic and Verdasco, it's not like losing... Uh, <laughs> like we're going to get to some on Halep soon. He hasn't lost to yeah. bad players. I mean, the no. be- worst loss probably most recently at a major was probably Darcy. Not, oh, well, and is that Brown was, a good player? Brown's well, barely Brown's, top 100 ever. I understand that. But we understand Dustin Brown's talent on any given day, that, that the flash can pull off and he has the power. Darcy, I think, was pretty surprising. At least it was to Yeah, me. he was just terrible that day. Yeah, he was just not good. But um, And it was just over time. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I... I'm curious because, and we'll obviously include audio from from Rafa's presser, right? Um, but I'm curious as to because when I don't go to ATP press conferences anymore, so I didn't. Yeah, over that not, life. Yeah, exactly. I didn't ask this question, but I was a little bit curious to know whether or not because he was very. He talked a lot about if players are going to hit balls from impossible positions, and they go for everything, and the risk is so high. And the ball lands in, kind of like what am I supposed to do sort of situation. Like my game plan is to try and put them in bad positions yeah. to hit the ball. But these balls are now landing in. But so I was kind of curious, like, well, are you going to change your game? You know, like what what is the game plan then against players like this? Is it just to hope that they miss? I mean, let's be clear. Rafa is, as it has at times in his career, and he's sort of changed modes more than any other top player. I mean, you've seen him play really aggressive, really defensive. And he had had times where he's been a very dictating power baseliner uh, who, who controlled play from right on the baseline. And lately he hasn't been that. Uh, he got outwintered today, something insane, like 90 for Verdasco and I want to say 36, yeah. 37 for Nadal. I mean, he was almost tripled in that category. Which, fair enough, in terms of, like, I mean, yeah. Fernando's firepower and what he can do with the ball. I mean, if he is just going to grip and rip. Yeah. And they land in. He's going to rack up ninety. Yeah. You know. So here is Rafa talking impressed. Do you see differently, or have you any regrets uh, regarding your own games with this match? 
the, the match um, is a tough loss for me, obvious. obviously. It's, it's tough, especially because um, it's not like last year that I arrived here playing bad. I'm feeling myself not not ready for it. This year was a completely different story. I, I, I have been playing and practicing great and uh, working so much. So, you know, it's tough when you work so much and arrives um, a very important event and we're going out uh, too early. So it's tough, but at the same time, I know I did everything that I, I can to be ready for it. So it was not my day and uh, let's keep going. That's that's the only thing. No, no, no. There is no more, no more things to do that uh, keep practicing hard, keep practicing the same way that I was doing the last uh, four, four or five months. Then um, today I was not ready to compete the way that I was practicing. So, not happy with that. And that's it. I hope the next time I can compete better than, than what I did today because I was playing what. Yeah, but it seems like a lot of times in Grand Slams, guys have been playing very freely against you with maybe more confidence than they did a few years ago. You know, Kyrgios, Brown, uh, Fanini. Do, do you sense that this matches that, that people are playing? Uh, more aggressively or more confidently against you than they used to be? Or do you think maybe it's something that's different on, on your side of the court? No, the, the, um, the game is changing a little bit. No, the, the everybody now tries to hit all the balls. Uh, there is no balls that you can prepare the point. No? Everybody hits the ball so hard and try to go for the winners in any position. So, game become a little bit more crazy in this in this aspect. But the real thing is, my uh, mission is make them play with difficult positions. So if they want to go for a lot of winners with very difficult positions, the. The chance of having success is not very high. If I let them hit from good positions and they always wants to go for winners, so then the chances for success are much higher. So that's the mistake for me today. I was not able to... Uh, we cannot talk about, uh, you know, Last year was a different story. No, I don't, don't don't want to compare last year, but but because last year was a, a different issue. But this year, the real thing is I was not uh, enough uh, aggressive with with my forehand handling the whole match. I I didn't feel it. I tried. I fought it. I was ready to do it, and I didn't. So. I am sad for that. And lastly, the big upset of the day that came last in terms of upsets was Simona Halep, who was drawn against Zhang Shui, who I'm pretty sure we mentioned in the in the previous show had never won a Grand Slam match before. It was 0-14. Very good player. We spent a lot of time in the top 50. Did peak briefly at 30. 
uh, in the rankings in 2014. Never really considered like a real, I don't think, of that ranking because she did it almost all at smaller events. But she's a decent player who never won a Grand Slam match before with some tough draws, very tough draws actually. 10 of her previous, 10 of her 15 first rounds have been against top 20 players. Wow. Okay. I didn't so know that. So that's a stat that's in a my good, story coming out later. Yeah. Uh, and in NCR right now. But yeah, uh, she came out there and she won and Simona was flat and it meant a lot to Zhang Shui. But let's get, before we get to her, let's get to Simona. Courtney, Simona's been making a habit of this. These early losses at Grand Slams. She's now lost in the first, uh, three rounds of, of each Grand Slam within the last couple of years. So, What's going on? What she's not playing like a number two at these Grand Slams. She's just not. No, no. I mean, she's not. She's not. I mean, the, the last time that she was probably playing at her rank, you know, um, at the majors was when she had her breakout, you know, season, making the 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 French Open final, Wimbledon semifinal. You know, I what you get the sense of with Simona, and I think that we I've probably talked about this before, is that everything kind of has to be lined up for her, and I think that in this situation, she was just kind of behind. Um, you know, I, if you've ever gone to like, I don't know, Circus Circus or like one of those, uh, you know, arcade game things and you have that game where there's a horse race and you throw the ball and if the ball goes into certain holes, they go in ahead. I'm raising my hand because I love that game. I know. I'm sure you do. It's very well, fun. I have it in Dave and Buster's. Yeah, Dave and Buster's. Yeah. It's, it's featured in Adventureland. One, where it's like there are holes movie. and it's like you throw balls and you have a horse that moves and it's like slow, fast, fastest. Right. You get, yeah, so you're saying she has to hit all fastest. No, 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 not at all. My analogy was simply that I think that due to the Achilles injury, due to being ill a little bit in the offseason, due to the... Uh, just fatigue and Achilles issues towards the end of last season. I think that she just kind of started the race like three or four steps back and from everybody, not everybody else, but from kind of the field and felt like, I'm not saying that, you know, this is about objective truth and subjective truth, felt like she was like play, trying to play catch up and that like it just wasn't there. I don't think that when she was in Sydney that she played with, with much confidence. Um, you know, she says she's practicing well. Um, but just not translating it to match play, that's mental. Yeah. That, that, is, that no longer becomes a physical or a rhythm issue or a technical issue if you're pulling off everything in practice. Now, this is all based off of what Simona's saying. Maybe her practices are going completely terribly. I don't know. But she says they're fine. Um, but against, uh, you know, I still am surprised by, by some of the errors she's making. Yeah. And, but I mean, all that said, Zhang played kind of the match of her life today. She was one, so good. One last thing on Hallett before we get to Zhang. Zhang's wonderful. Better story than Halep in this such in this situation. Uh, I heard someone saying very bluntly in the media room, won't say who because I'm sure they didn't want this for attribution, but saying Simona just doesn't have the head. She's a red Vonska. She's Ooh. not going to win a great set. It was like it was a very is her last name Yankovic like hitting everybody with one wow. swipe that and saying that something. Simona just doesn't have the makeup to be able to go out there. Comparing it to Azarenka, who went out against well, a better yeah. player in Van Oetvang, is a better opponent than Zhang Shui and double bagel her tonight. Simona doesn't seem to have that sort of Terminator mentality to just brush off these girls who she's much better than in these early rounds. And this person was saying, this journalist was saying, he thinks this will mean that Simona does not win a Grand Slam, or if she does, it will be almost accidental. I don't know. Do you think there's any term, any any reason? Or you know what First I, you, of all, what the know, hell does that mean, accidental? Accidental, you know what I mean? Like something like, like a Bartoli or a, a Panetta, something, something not like what she's seated to do right now. That's, I think... The, You're not, are you buying any of this? No, first of all, I just think the concept of an accidental winning of a Grand Slam is bullshit. Okay, I that, think that you win seven right matches over across two. The right I choice. think that that's baloney. The fact that you think that, like, or somebody thinks that, like, you have to validate your Grand Slam win by going through 
whatever field okay, I think fine. is bullshit. I don't buy that. She would have an unex- she would have an unexpected grand slam. Okay, win like that. Like I think that that's hedging. I think that that's a complete hedge. Okay. Either you say she can or she can't. Okay, they're saying she can't. Okay, she's saying that she can't. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think that she does have like I think that not. I wouldn't say that she's soft in the head. I don't think that's the case. But I think that a lot of things have to be kind of locked into place mentally for her to do well. And when one of those blocks is loose. I think everything unravels. But is that like a champion, though? For To have one block unravel everything? Yes. It doesn't matter. So? To win a slam, It does. I just don't think that it matters. It just matters that one time, everything is locked in, and you make your run. See, you I don't, don't, ma- you don't think, make... You, players- no, no, hold on. First of all, you don't make that run at the French Open in 2014 to the final and push Maria Sharapova in three sets in the dead of heat in a match that you very easily could have won. And say you're soft. That's bullshit. I'm not saying she's soft. I'm saying that she's not had the cons- – it's about consistency more than anything. You see these other players who she's ranked ahead of right now. She's ranked number two. Lena? She, Petra? I'm talking – Like, I mean, you're talking about, like, when you start looking at Grand Slam Does champions. Petra go out there and have complete mental breakdowns all the time or does the game go off? Mm, you think, yeah, it's, men- you think it's as mental with Petra as it is with Simone? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. This is I a larger mean- discussion. <laughs> we'll get to it later. But we got to get to Zhang Shui. Who was wonderful and made this match delightful. The reaction she had after winning was incredible. You know, getting emotional, having her coach tear up, having her parents there tear up. There's so, so many people crying. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of emotion, you guys, for someone who's going to play Alize Cornet next. So hold on <laughs> to your butts. Uh, but then impressed she was also great and revealed a lot of stuff about how uh, she had thought this might be her last tournament ever. She had considered retiring after the U.S. Open. Um, and so that made it all the more poignant. And according to you were saying, you're you know welling up in there. So let's hear from from Zhang Shuai now. Yeah, I played really well today. So um, yeah, play against the great player. Um, I feeling no more um, no no more no nervous, you know, because nothing to lose. So play and uh, like. Hundred percent good, yeah. And how much in your mind was the fact that you had you had never won a match before at, at a Grand Slam in main draw? Is that something that was? Uh, actually, I already forgot how many times because so many times, yeah. Before everybody tell me the uh, this is uh, ten time, oh next time for sure you you for sure win, but already like I don't know how many time already so. Doesn't matter. So I just try my best. Yeah. Does it feel especially good to get the first win? Yeah, like of course. Number two. Yeah. First time win the top top two player. So you were ranked in the top fifty, and you had a, a high ranking. And last year it looked like it was a bit more difficult. So can you talk a little bit about last season and and what some of the struggles were? Uh, yeah, last few months I'm already. 200 my ranking, so very tough. Uh, I'm feeling very sad every day. I almost retire. So, um, but you know, so many people help me. So give me the help. My coach, my parents, in my city team, Tianjin team, um, and uh, also national team and uh, my sponsor always try to help me, uh, give me more motivation. So, yeah, um, I'm train training hard and uh, try to more hard than before. So, 
yeah, I didn't think in two months I can win the top two player. So feeling like dream coming true. Yeah. When, when did you consider retiring? Mm, before three months. Uh, before the Asia seasons. Yeah, after U.S. Open. Yeah, feeling so sad. Couldn't win one match even. So, uh, when ranking from 30, dropped to 200 only f- few months. So, feeling so sad. Um, yeah, I'm feeling I'm come back soon. Right Is there now. anything that specifically that your coach or your family or anyone said to you when you were thinking about retiring that you know clicked in your head and made you keep playing um before uh when i have this thinking everybody said no come on you you're a great player you can come back soon you have to keep going but uh, i'm feeling sad i don't i don't know how can keep going um, but when everybody say okay, retire, no problem. Um, um, nobody said no, but I feeling no. I I want I want to come back. I I want to try one more time. Only one more time. Yeah. If no good, I say okay. I want to try last tournament Australia Open. After Australia Open, if still no good. Maybe finish tennis, yeah. But uh, I never think I can win in the here, win the first round. How much did it mean to you to have your, your parents with you here? And mm-hmm. You had your parents here? Yeah. So how, how much did that mean to you to have them and your coach? And everyone was obviously very uh, emotional after your win, just with all you went through in the last few months with your decision. How much did it mean to have that moment? Before my 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 father never coming to watch I play, uh, this is first time he traveling with me and also my mom. So this is big time for me. I feeling like because I think oh maybe this is last time in Australia Open. So I want the day um, coming to maybe say last match in Melbourne or uh, I want to. They come to see the um, last twenty year what I'm do or um this is my life already like twenty years they never see so I want to they feeling what I'm do so yeah this is so lucky <laughs> my parents coming and I won yeah do you think maybe that's why you were able to play that well. I think maybe good time for my parents retire soon and coming with me. <laughs> so, Courtney, to wrap up that, what, what did you make of her whole story? And it's a cool moment for someone who's kind of a punchline in Grand Slams with this her record. Is the thought that came to my mind, because yeah. I'm obviously on the Twitter, I see what people say about Zhang Shui whenever she gets drawn at a major or whatever, and she has a punchline. And the minute that I walked out of that press conference, I, re- I sat down at my desk and was just kind of thinking, and I was like, man, if any of those people were in that press conference, they would feel like utter douchebags right now. Like, you know, it was like one of those moments of just kind of like reminding all humans. of us that these are human beings and that, you know, that sounds so clear 
cliche, but it's very difficult sometimes, especially with a player like Zhang Shuai, who's not on the stages. You don't see interviews with her. In some ways, she is a composite tennis player, you know, like CPU too. She's just like to a lot of play- people, she's a faceless tennis player who has certain numbers. Exactly. And that makes her a punchline. So to hear her in her own voice kind of, you know, describe how difficult last year was. And very humanizing. Very yeah. humanizing. Yeah. And and yeah, like it was, it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, man, like that's, if people knew yeah. that, ha- that, you know, these jokes, like they're rough, you know, it's not like she was tr- not trying and, yeah, and, like and I said, it's not like she's not a good tennis player. Yeah, she'd been top 30. And like I said, she had these, these tough draws and yeah, so it was, it was all, it was very of a clumped way to end the day. Well, and also when it says a lot to when a result, especially like a first round result at a major or something like that resonates within the locker room. So to see other players, not just like Chinese players, but across the, the board, Caroline Garcia, Elena Vesnina, Yanina Wickmeyer, uh, Daria Gavrilova, all these players who are kind of at this point, you know, those quote unquote journey women players, right? Like these aren't players that we look at and say, you're going to win a slam like this time or whatever. Not the, this is not in the spotlight per se for them to kind of like, they knew what this meant to, to this player. And I think that that was, uh, that was a pretty nice moment. For sure. For sure. Speaking of nice moments to wrap up this show, today our Kickstarter ended on Tuesday with the grand total of 596 backers. Courtney is throwing like gang signs or something. I was not what, doing gang What were you doing? What is that? I was kind of doing broad city dance moves, but... Yeah, it that's what like, It looked like gang signs, but it's okay. My hands were literally spread out like a, with my Like my a West Coast symbol? No, I would Don't try that. Anyway, don't do that. Anyway. Uh, also, I think that you may have just done the Vulcan sign. <laughs> I probably did. You know, the, the, Vulcan the West Coast. Yeah, no, the uh, West Coast is, you know. Yeah, okay. okay. So, you know, yeah. you know what they are. But anyway, <laughs> all that is to say, we got 596 backers giving us a grand total of... $22,050, which is pretty nuts. Like, seriously, we are super overwhelmed, pretty excited about it, and you guys have been amazing. Thank you to all 596 of you who supported us and are giving us all this pressure now to make this season as great as it possibly can be for you. Yes, exactly. And and uh, the backer surveys will go out very soon so to get like your information in terms of like address and stuff. And once we have those addresses and your selections, especially you postcard people. Especially you people have to choose which one you yeah, want. Yeah, like if you want an Australian Open one, you got to let us know as soon as possible because obviously we'll be going and hitting up every single and buying out every single uh, souvenir shop on, uh, on Swanston. So um, yeah, so definitely let us know that and we will get cracking on that um getting those out and thanking you with our hearts hopefully bringing you guys the emotions and some fun postcards from here in melbourne uh but yeah thank you guys so much it's uh it's overwhelming on every level and i have to say like you know one of the big you know the first day of school moments of of this weekend has been a lot of like fellow journalists coming up out of nowhere and just being like that's amazing like what you guys have done there and um so like i said people have been paying attention this hasn't been a small thing um and it helps us in you know in a massive way so every single time you guys are are you know telling people we're great people listen because that's what twitter is yeah. <laughs> you know but um but so yeah it's it's been fantastic so thank you guys very much. Uh, if you guys want to follow on us when you're not listening to the show or giving to us on Kickstarter, which is closed, so hopefully you're stopped doing, trying to do that now. If you want to miss the boat, sorry. Uh, you can follow on us on Twitter at NCR 
underscore tennis. By the way, Twitter was like broken tonight. That so was, broken. That was rough. Like that's my rant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Quick rant right there. Twitter being broken, like it paralyzes me in a way that's kind of frightening. Uh, and I'm like, what? No one's no one's retweeting me. What's, what's happening here? Am I invisible? Uh, it's very important for me to get this Maria Sakari get to know you piece out. Yeah. Why exactly. would it tweet? Exactly. Uh. And so it was all rough. Uh, follow us on Twitter, which I think is back to working now. Uh, you can also ish and getting there. Hopefully by the time you listen. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or any other RSS feeder podcast app type thing. Leave us a review in the iTunes store. We appreciate that. Send us questions, comments, whatever to know. Challenges remaining at gmail.com. And we will talk to you guys soon. Day three. Exactly. Bye bye. Which begins in like less than 12 hours. And like minus an hour ago. It's like 1 a.m. Yeah. Good exactly. Lord. Bye guys. Bye bye.